Welcome to the political beatdown with Ben Micellis and Michael Cohen. You see me smiling, everybody, because before the show, Cohen and I just have so much fun bringing you the news, bringing you the truth unfiltered. Let's just talk about some of the topics that we are going to be discussing. So yesterday we learned that uh, Kellyanne Conway was leaving the Manhattan District Attorney's Office. And if anybody's read Michael Cohen's books, you know how she is related to the Manhattan District Attorney's criminal investigation into Donald Trump and what Kellyanne Conway said to Michael Cohen after the hush money payments were made to Stormy Daniels. So I want Cohen to react to that. It's also a big day tomorrow for Michael Cohen with the Manhattan District Attorney. He'll explain why. We got to also go talk about the what's going on in the House of Representatives where this is the Democratic Party that I've been like waiting for. I mean, Jamie Raskin is like LeBron James in his prime right now. I mean, to see Raskin, I don't know, you know, if it's just because like now that the Democrats are in the minority in the House of Representatives that it kind of frees them or or it's Hakeem Jeffries leadership, which I think it's probably more of that. But this is some amazing, amazing stuff. Just before we went live, the Department of Justice filed a legal brief. It's known as an amicus uh, brief with the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals, where they explain that even though the presidential powers for absolute immunity has these outer limits, which are very much outer limits, Trump's conduct on January 6th and inciting political violence doesn't fall within those outer limits. And the Department of Justice, which is its job is to traditionally to protect the executive branch, is basically saying yes, but not when it comes to the insurrection and civil lawsuits. And also George Santos, we learn, is now actually subject to a formal House Ethics Committee investigation. It's about multiple months too late, but I suppose the uh, Republicans are trying to save face before there's an indictment there. So this is the political beatdown. What's up, Brigade? What's up, Michael Cohen? How are you? Well, the first thing that's up is that your camera's a little out of focus. You got to. How's that happening? Well, well, I have no idea. You know, technology is great. I don't know. Maybe clean it off. Do something. So let me let me take let me take our brigaders into the scenario of what's going on here with Kelly and Conway. In fact, I have heard from a couple of sources today that Kelly Ann is going back or has already made her way back to the DA today. They weren't done with her yesterday. That's actually a pretty interesting sign in and of itself. And truth be told, I can't figure out why. She didn't play a major role in the notification to Donald of the 130000 Uh It was a phone call that I had made to her to let Donald know. I talked about it in my book, Disloyal. Uh, I believe I even uh, bring it up. I don't recall, but I may have mentioned, don't know if Kellyanne's name is mentioned in it, but I talk about that as well uh, in my new book called Revenge. So again, I certainly ask all of my brigaders to go to Amazon, go to Barnes Noble, wherever you get your books, read it, because you'll understand more of what's going on simply by reading Revenge. Now, going back to Kellyanne, this is really... Another problem for Donald, because it's another insider that will attest to the fact 
that Donald had knowledge of the transaction. And that's one of the issues that I think is right now being discussed. I do want to let my brigaders know, again, since you are part of this political beatdown brigade, you should be the first to know that tomorrow I am going back to Danny, District Attorney of New York's office. This time, though, it is not for more information or to discuss the case. This is rather prep uh, for a potential appearance before the grand jury, my potential appearance for the grand jury. Uh, The way that I see it, we already know, it's already been reported, people like Keith Davidson, former attorney for um, Stormy Daniels, has appeared. I think Donald Bender, we know uh, David Pecker, we know Dylan Howard, we know Jeff McConney, we also know that... um, Deborah Tarasoff have all appeared. Now, of course, Kellyanne. We know that these people have already appeared. I'm due to come in for prep. My expectation, and I think it only makes sense, I'm not giving away any top secrets here. If they're bringing me in for prep, one would have to imagine that in short order, they're going to be bringing me and presenting me before the grand jury. Um, You know, obviously, That's just the beginning. Once the grand jury is convened and ultimately will make a determination whether or not um, they agree and that an indictment should be forthcoming, uh, I do believe that Alvin Bragg is going to act in an expeditious and professional manner, um, which means, as far as I'm concerned, I think it will be in a very, very timely um, scenario that indictments come out. And I'm actually quite interested to see, you know, how this case ends up um, unfolding simply because it will be the first time in U.S. history, first time ever, that a president or a former president has ever been indicted. I mean, this is unprecedented territory right now. And how spectacular is that going to be that Alvin Bragg, a man that everyone thought had walked away from the case, may actually may actually be the guy who creates the first indictment against the former guy. So stay tuned, you know, brigaders, because this shit's moving and this shit's happening. I like it. I like it. So the Kelly and Conway piece of this, though, just to back up there. Um, so after the payments were made to Stormy Daniels, Donald Trump did not immediately call you back, but you had a phone call from Kellyanne where she was basically acting as his, and this is in your book, so I'm not like breaking new news. Everyone just needs to read the book as well, which talks more about it. But she calls you, Cohen, and she basically says, got it, thank you for this, you know, and she does the call on his behalf. Is that basically what went down there? Um, it's, as I, as you said, and appropriately, it's all in the book. Um, you know, one of the things that I don't want to do is, you know, discuss things that could potentially be before the grand jury. You know, my fear is that the more that these issues are discussed, what I wrote, I wrote, and I stand by what I wrote. Uh, so again, I would recommend that our brigaders read it so that you could see it for yourself. But I stand behind what I said. You know, my only concern is I don't want to be um, a reason why Trump's counsel 
or counsels, because I promise you this, right? If in fact an indictment is forthcoming, you could imagine that for the first time, I mean, look at, you got to see who he has, you know, as counsel right now. You're not talking about uh, any legal beagles here. You're basically talking about the bottom of the barrel. And when it comes to this shit, I promise you, this is not the kind of thing that anybody is going to take lightly, uh, especially not Donald. He's going to have to reach into those hundreds of millions of dollars that he's grifted off of the unsuspecting maggots, all right, these fucking morons that keep supporting a billionaire when they don't have $2 to rub together. He's going to have to reach into those coffers, and he's going to have to overpay a law firm in order to represent him. First of all, many of the big law firms have conflicts of interest. That's to start. And I highly doubt that anybody's going to waive that conflict to give Donald the opportunity to have a major white shoe firm representing him. Then on top of that, historically, what do we know? Again, something that I've talked about in both of the books, Donald doesn't pay his bills. So why in the world would you want to deal with a guy who is a racist, sexist, misogynistic, xenophobic, homophobic, Islamophobic, anti-Semite, who also doesn't pay his bills and wants to guide you in how the litigation should proceed when he has no idea what he's talking about, despite the fact he'll tell you that he knows more about the law than his lawyers. All right. Again, it's the narcissistic sociopathy of Donald J. Trump. So he's not going to have an easy time finding legitimate counsel to take on this case. All right. Um, yeah, well, let's not forget, he also didn't have really significant counsel. I mean, I think one guy was either a negligence attorney or, I mean, he's got Alina Haba who does parking lot uh, litigation and so on, representing him in a plethora of cases, most of which, if not almost almost all of which, you know, she has lost because she has no idea what she's doing. In fact, you may recall if you actually Google it, um, in a case against me, Alina Haba actually signed a motion that she was preparing as if she was the judge. This is the legal beagles that we're talking about. On top of that being that he doesn't pay his bills, most, most people don't want to represent him for obvious reasons. So this is going to be an interesting game. Uh, especially for Donald. What I do believe will happen is if, in fact, he's indicted, this is going to be, again, a case of unprecedented nature. The case will go forward. They will make motions to dismiss. They will do what they regularly do in all cases, and that's to attempt to delay, delay, delay. Instead of filing an answer, they'll obviously file a motion to dismiss in lieu of, a, uh, in lieu of an answer. Um, They'll make that summary judgment motion. That's going to get delayed. It'll get delayed a little longer. He's going to try to wear out the clock thinking that this is going to help him if, in fact, he becomes the presidential nominee. Again, being the presidential nominee for the GOP does not absolve him of criminal liability or litigation. That is only uh, saved for the president. Mind you, Donald Trump running against Joe Biden cannot win. All right. I want to be very clear about that. Donald Trump has a stronghold. Let's not underestimate the guy either. He has an absolute stronghold of 28% of the Republican Party. He's also losing favorability amongst many, many members uh, of Congress, Republican members. He's lost, of course, all the Democrats um, or any 
Democrat for that matter, um, but 28% of the Republican Party. Now, the Republican Party only constitutes about 35, 36% of the entire electorate here in the United States. So just doing the math, Donald Trump cannot win a general election. Republicans know that, which is why so many of the Republican members of Congress are trying to distance themselves. Now, when I say many of the Republican members, obviously I'm not talking about the, the fools, the ones that we know about, the Marjorie Taylor Greens, the Josh Hawleys, the Matt Gaetzes, the, you know, uh, you know, the Ted Cruz's. They're not so fast to jump away because they know their political futures rests upon his MAGA support, as well as, of course, fundraising. So there's a lot that's going on here. This is going to be a case of unprecedented nature. So to my brigaders, as Donald had said, right? So be careful what you say sometimes, Donald. Stand back, stand by, because the shit's about ready to get real. All right? I like when it gets real. Now, when we were talking about Alvin Bragg, um, you know, a lot of the viewers and listeners before were very critical, especially when they learned that Dunn and Pomerantz very well-respected attorneys that they had resigned, um, whether Alvin Bragg was actually going to move towards a prosecution of what in the world was going on. I think a lot of people, uh, viewers and listeners, still have those fears. Um, but one of the things that you had said, and by the way, I share that as well. I, I shared those fears. I shared those concerns. But You've been very, very complimentary without getting into any specifics of who's on the team, who you've met with, what they've asked you. You've never gone there, but you've made it very clear that even when you've been critical of the way they made that, that the way it went down with Dunn and Pomerantz, you were like, you know what? Ever since I started meeting with them the first time, good meeting, the second time, now three times, now you're going to have this prep session. Like these people, Ben, brigade are the real deal. You agree? Yeah, I agree. And one of the things that I regularly say, uh, not just um, on our show here, Ben, but on television as well, I too was extremely critical of Alvin Bragg uh, post the resignation of Mark Pomerantz and Carrie Dunn. Two exceptional. And when I say exceptional, listen, I've dealt with some of the best lawyers in this country. Uh, I can tell you that they certainly fall up within that category. They are exceptional, exceptional uh, criminal attorneys and litigators. Their questioning was spot on and their memory recall for the answers as, of course, you know, remember I taught I'm using the airplane as the uh, metaphor, 35,000 to 30,000 to 25, 15, all the way to the point that we're at the literally landing stage. Uh, their recollection and their recall as to the information previously stated was unbelievable. Well, guess what? So is this new team by Alvin Bragg. But one of the things that I want to be very clear about is when Cy Vance, our former district attorney here in New York, um, decided he was not going to run, which of course opened the door for Alvin Bragg. Alvin Bragg ran on the, you know, the the adage that no one is above the law and that he will hold all people accountable for crimes, including Donald J. Trump. Well, I think he's living up to that promise, his campaign promise, 
did he do it right away? Did we waste a year? Uh, the answer is, I believe so. Um, however, something that I've now begun to realize, which is that this is his office, and coming in to an office like the district attorney's office and having a case such as this one, which is against a former president of the United States, a guy with a massive, massive megaphone and a bully pulpit, a guy who has no problem in having his supporters attack you. And I'm not just talking about, you know, on, on his truth social or untruth social or Twitter or their social media platforms or in the news like Fox, OAN, Newsmax, etc. I'm talking about, you know, um, legitimately attacking people. So I understand that Alvin Bragg wanted to put the brakes on this case. I understand he wanted to come up to speed at his, um, at his speed, not have it forced upon him. And all I can say is at the end of the day, it's not about how you got to your destination. It's about the fact that you get to your destination. And again, if we're going to use the metaphor of an airplane, okay, sometimes you sit on the tarmac because of you know, con airplane congestion. Sometimes there's a delay because of weather or a malfunction in the airplane. Let's call this one a malfunction in the aircraft. Okay, great. Everybody got off the plane. They brought in another plane. We're a little delayed here or maybe a lot delayed. But at the end of the day, that flight is in the air and we are legitimately approaching destination justice. I love it. I want to go talk about what's been going on on the House floor and in these committee hearings. We talked about the committee hearings on the last show, but we did the Midas Touch pack side of what we do. We did make an ad um, based on one of the things that Marjorie Taylor Greene uh, said. We call it Stronger with Biden. Um, let's just play this and then I want you to react to it. Let's play the clip of the new Midas Touch pack ad. In 2020, there were 4.8 thousand pounds of fentanyl seized by CBP. But in 2021, it increased to 11.2 thousand pounds of fentanyl was seized by the CBP. That is a direct result of Biden administration policies. President Biden, protecting our border, keeping our country safe. Midas Touch is responsible for the content of this advertising. Wow. I'm not sure she knows the word seizing, but, you know, I guess she's a big fan of uh, the work that Biden's done. What do you think about that ad? Well, first of all, I thought the ad was fantastic. I actually have like goosebumps. Not sure I have the goosebumps because it was so loud, but rather because it was really impactful and it was really well done. Kudos to Midas. All right. To the Midas touch. Kudos. And it's why it's why that this program and why all of the Midas um, programs, Midas touch programs are so important. These are the type of ads that I am begging the head of the DNC, Jamie Harrison, to start to use. Now, you may have also if you follow me on Twitter or if you follow me on uh, some on Twitter, Instagram and TikTok, if you follow me uh, if you don't follow me, please do. Uh, it's Michael Cohen 212 at Twitter. It's under, it's Michael Cohen underscore uh, at uh, Instagram, and it's Michael Cohen on TikTok. But the reason I tell you to follow me is I did something the other day that, you know, a lot of people took some umbrage to, and I don't really care because I'm going to speak my mind on I was actually watching the Merrick Garland hearings, and as much as I can't stand, um, 
Lindsey Graham. I have to be honest, he's 100% correct. There's fentanyl that's coming into this country at an alarming rate. The fact that there's even one fentanyl pill that's coming in over the, uh, through the borders uh, into the United States and killing Americans, I have a real problem with. And, you know, I've unfortunately known too many people who have overdosed as a direct result of whether it's oxycotton or whether now fentanyl. Uh, this is... This is a real epidemic in this country. And yes, Merrick Garland, when asked the question about what he's doing, he is he is required to answer the question. I don't give a shit if it's a Republican. I don't care if it's a Democrat. I don't care if it's an independent. Asking the attorney general, fentanyl, drugs coming through the borders. This is not a Republican issue. This is not a Democratic issue. This is not an independent issue. It's an American issue that is taking lives of Americans every single day. How many more children, how many more people have to die from fentanyl overdose, all right, before which the attorney general does something? And he, not to give those those bullshit answers that, you know, well, you know, the FBI is monitoring this. Get the fuck out of here, right? It's, I would like to know exactly what Merrick Garland is doing. And I look, you know, again, this is Joe Biden's pick. And I am, at first, I was so excited to hear about Merrick Garland and Lisa Monaco at the head of the DOJ um, as our attorney general and our assistant attorney general of the United States. I could not have been happier. After two years, I am so unimpressed with the lack of expeditiousness of any of these cases going forward. And I have said this on my own show, um, you know, mea culpa. I've said it on television. Enough of this bullshit already. And I say to Joe Biden, fire Merrick Garland today. Put me in as attorney general. All right. I give you my word. By Monday, there's an indictment against Donald Trump. There's an indictment against Mark Meadows. And don't tell me, you know, you're just indicting because you dislike them. Bullshit. There's enough documentation out there, readily available, especially after the January 6th hearings. Well done to them. There's a million documents out there that shows various different criminal um, activities, illegal activities, or alleged illegal activities. I would be bringing indictments against each and every one of these motherfuckers without haste, without delay. And the fact that we allow this bullshit to keep spinning over and over and over again has me so angry. And it's why Americans are so disappointed and disgusted with our Department of Justice, because the only thing that we're seeing out of the Department of Justice right now is the corruption that's going on, or I should say the weaponization of the Justice Department. You know, there's a guy named Murray Watts, and I ask everybody to go and check it. He has an article about the DOJ and Donald Trump and Mark Meadows releasing classified documents to members of the media to go after Peter Strzok. And he's going to be writing a whole slew of these. And this, all of this information has been provided to him by insiders, people who were part of the DOJ, FBI, etc. Great article. It's a little lengthy, but it's a great article. And I recommend it's Murray Watts, W-A-A-S. I strongly recommend people read this Substack article. It's one of the most comprehensive articles showing exactly how Donald Trump weaponized the Department of Justice against critics. In this case, it was Peter Strzok. 
All right. We all know from Revenge, it's my title of the book, how Donald Trump weaponized the United States Department of Justice against his critics. We know exactly the game, the game plan that Donald Trump employs. And this is just another great example. So, Michael, I'm equally tired of waiting for justice. I, I, I wake up, I feel it. And I think that you and I should maybe even do a full episode, maybe a bonus episode, whether we end up creating a Patreon or just doing a bonus episode here where we can do a, a debate. Because I share a lot of the same feelings that you do about the Department of Justice. But I'll give you this one quick perspective. And then I want to talk quickly about fentanyl. And then I want to talk about what's going on on the House floor. Um, in order to get the testimony of Pence, which he is going to be fighting, the Department of Justice needed to get the testimony of Mark Short. The Department of Justice needed to get the testimony of Patrick Philbin. The Department of Justice needed to do that. To do that, they had to break through the executive privilege. To do that, they had to fight this battle for many, many, many months, not because the Department of Justice wanted to take their time, but because of the motions that were being set up. You see, even my dogs even are getting dog very is angry. Even, even my dog, dog is angry, angry about, the is the about, about the delay. But let me Boy, pass it to you, Cohen, before, huh? and I'll, I'll go redo the analysis because someone just came in the backyard as the dogs are barking. <laughs> Before doing that analysis, I want to show you, though, the Lauren Boebert video, and then we'll react to it. Let's play the Lauren Boebert video. Um, that, was, that was great. Um, you know, we are addressed as MAGA extremists, extreme MAGA Republicans, and I would like to make um, just a clarification point. It's ultra MAGA. That's what we prefer. Yes. And we get three pages calling for reports the so-called rain in act here's what we should be reining in we should be reining in the extreme mega republican effort to cut social security we should rein in the extreme mega republican effort to cut medicare rein in the extreme mega republican effort to criminalize reproductive freedom and impose a nationwide ban. Reign in the extreme mega Republican effort to crash the United States economy and default on our debt for the first time in American history. We should be reining in your effort to hand over sensitive security footage from the January 6th violent insurrection to an avowed conspiracy theorist. That's what we should be reining in. And uh, yet, the, the, the general lady from Colorado said, um, if I understood it correctly, that she would continue uh, with her deliberate mispronunciation of the name of our party in its adjectival form. And by the way, she took the opportunity to raise the whole question of MAGA, which I had not mentioned. And she said, and when you call me MAGA, don't call me MAGA, call me ultra MAGA. So when the minority leader referred to the extreme MAGA element, which appears to be driving the train over there, he should have called it the ultra mega element out of deference to the general lady from Colorado. And I certainly will be able to honor her wishes in the future as she chooses to be described as ultra mega. And with that, I'll reserve. Not only was that clip incredible, it allowed me to filibuster while my <sighs> puppies stopped barking. I want to get your opinion on that. The, the, the one point I wanted to make, though, on the issue of uh, fentanyl as well, 
um, is that it, there should be bipartisan efforts here. Um, and in terms of what the Department of Justice is empowered to do or not empowered to do, we need the laws to change. We need a reframing of how the war on drugs and those failed and flawed policies have been handled. But to me, an example of really the problematic nature to me is less on the Department of Justice. And it's more what we saw with Marjorie Taylor Greene and the MAGA Republicans when they used a mother whose children died as a prop to attack the Biden administration and said, the Biden administration murdered your children. And then the mother cried hysterically and she said, yes, they murdered, the Biden administration murdered my kids. And Marjorie Taylor Greene said, shame on you, Biden administration. Her children passed in 2020 when Donald Trump was in office. This is an issue that we all need to rally behind. We need to have common sense solutions. And it is not a both sides issue to me because when the Democratic Party um, proposes legislation about things that you can do to try to help people with drug addiction. The ultra MAGA party then has the performative outrage that, oh, you're trying to give drug addicts more drugs and you're putting drugs on the street when there's actually ways to fix the problem. And so there is a broader strategy of how you confront things like fentanyl and other and other deadly drugs. The problem is, is that you have the performative outrage and the blame Biden machine by Marjorie Taylor Greene versus actual solutions. And that's one of the things we've been seeing repeatedly on the House floor. I won't belabor my, my, uh, my point about the DOJ and Pence, but the point I was making there was it took them eight months, not because they just were sitting on their hands, but because Donald Trump abuses our constitutional system, um, abuses the legal system that wealthy people can abuse already. And unfortunately, when you abuse the doctrine of executive privilege, it actually takes the grand juries don't meet every day. That's just not the way it works. And then you have to call the witnesses back. You have to file the motions. You have to then get a judge's ruling. You got to file the next motions. You got to get the judge's ruling. And you ultimately got to climb your way to the top if you want these people as witnesses. And for me, I want the convictions not just to happen, but to stick. And I don't want there to be procedural reasons why it can get overturned. But those are the points I wanted to make before my dog started barking. But let's get back to the video on the House floor. So you see Hakeem Jeffries, you see Jamie Raskin, you see Lauren Boebert. The contrast couldn't be more clear, Michael. Yeah, I, that's where I was going to break it down. The first part that you have to break down there is take a look at the lunacy of Lauren Boebert. I don't know why she thinks it's funny, this ultra MAGA. I don't even know what it means. It, it's, it's stupid, but then again, so is she. She's a fucking ass clown of the most major magnitude. End of story. The fact that she continues to be a member of Congress really just goes to show how this country is declining, or at least the folks that you know, are electing her, the people of her, you know, we'll call her constituents, so to speak. Um, it is really disgraceful. The fact that she can even be on a committee 
with the stupidity coming out of her mouth. It doesn't matter that we don't agree with what she's saying. It's the fact that she's wearing an AR-15 pin on her lapel, thinking that that's funny. What about all the families of children or innocent people who were murdered as a direct result of this gun craze, the Second Amendment nonsense that is constantly being pushed upon us by the NRA and by the MAGAs, all right? This is ridiculous. The fact that she could do something, which goes to show you that she's she doesn't have empathy. She's basically not even human. Then you take and you compare it to somebody like Jamie Raskin, and God bless, let each and every one of us take a minute out of our day today and pray for Jamie that he, you know, that he gets through his issue. Um, he is a wonderful, wonderful human being. He is a wonderful American. And the fact that he stands up there with, you know, the, the do-rag on his head, I believe that one was given to him by Stephen Van Zant, I know one of them was given, which I thought was really cool. Stephen is a wonderful guy. I, I knew him in the past. Um, he's a great guy. Gave him and sent him one of those, uh, you know, headscarves that he wears all the time. Let's all pray for Jamie Raskin. But the fact that he can get up there, as he does each and every time, making the most poignant of arguments as to why what the Republican MAGAs, what the Republicans are doing is injurious to our country's democracy and our future. Again, is just additional kudos to a man who, and anybody who knows anyone who has gone through chemotherapy knows that it takes a lot out of you. But he comes with the fire, he comes with the passion, and that's not something that you can make up. That's something that's in him. And again, thank God for Jamie Raskin. God bless. Then you get Hakeem Jeffries, who comes in and just calm, cool, collect, talks factual. None of this enraging bullshit that the MAGAs have decided to use in order to fundraise, because that's all they're doing. This is all about grifting and fucking their, you know, their constituents out of the few dollars that they have left for their own coffers so that they could use it for their own personal benefits like the George Santos's of the world, all right, or the Donald Trump's of the world. Stockpile a ton of cash because you know you're going to need it for probably your own litigation, your own representation, because God forbid a billionaire should pay his own legal fees uh, and so on. I mean, the whole thing is crazy. There could not be a greater dichotomy, not just between the way that the message is given, but the message in and of itself. So, you know, there's no, there's no doubt it's why this MAGA stronghold that Donald Trump has is diminishing on a daily basis, not just with followers. I mean, think about it. A big part of his MAGA followers were who? The Oath Keepers and the Proud Boys and these white supremacist groups and so on. Well, here's the big problem for them. They're all being prosecuted at, you know, pretty significant um, numbers and also getting jail sentences. Well, most of these folks are using public defenders because they don't have a pot to piss in. And so what happened to their, you know, their fearless leader? What about their Fuhrer, who now has over 200 plus million banked into his uh, First America Pact or whatever the hell he calls it, but he's not going to waste one single dollar representing or paying for any of these people 
because that just, in his mind, takes a dollar out of his pocket. He sees that money as his money. And you know why, my friends, you know why he sees it that way? Because 90 cents of every dollar that he collects, according to his pack, he is allowed to use at his own discretion, which basically means that's his money. He could go buy an airplane with it. He could go buy a house with it. He could pay his legal fees. He can do whatever he wants with it. He has 90% discretion over those funds. And the other 10% has to be given to other political purposes, other candidates and so on, or his own candidacy. I mean, the whole thing is a giant fucking scam of the most major magnitude. And it's another thing that Merrick Garland should be looking into. This dark money bullshit has to stop. Couldn't agree more. And one of the things that we've at least learned that special counsel Jack Smith is very much focused on in the investigation into Trump focuses squarely on the campaign finance violations. Um, it was relegated to Appendix 3 in the January 6th committee report where they talk through the campaign finance part of it. And during all of the public, public hearings, uh, the committee talked about some of the campaign finance violations and money laundering at a surface level, but focused more on the more dramatic moments of the insurrection. But for a public integrity prosecutor like Jack Smith, money laundering is not just in his wheelhouse. That is what he is an expert at. And he staffed up the team to focus on those uh, issues. And, you know, when you see what's going on in the House of Representatives, like this whole idea of the MAGA Republicans that they were going to spread the conspiracies that work on Fox in a forum that actually allows a rebuttal. Do you think, Cohen, that they just weren't prepared for it? Do you think they just get away with it in their echo chambers, that they just don't um, expect smart people to actually have comebacks? I'll give you this one example, then I'll get your reaction. This is Jamie Raskin responding to, I believe it was MAGA Republican Scott Perry from Pennsylvania, making disparaging remarks about the state of Maryland. And so Jamie Raskin's just like, hanging out on the House floor, basically, listening to these speeches of these MAGA Republicans. And he's just, and the Democrats give him the time. That's why we see all these clips to just give like the rebuttal back. Watch what Raskin did to the MAGA Republicans when they dared speak negatively about his state. Play this clip. There's much left to say on uh, the substance of this amendment. Um, I did hear uh, my, my colleague from Pennsylvania make some sort of disparaging remark about Maryland and about how he didn't live in Maryland where apparently we don't understand the value of money. Well, uh, the land where we actually are standing today used to be part of Maryland. It was ceded by Maryland to Congress for the purposes of creating the District of Columbia. And when our capital came under attack, by violent insurrectionists and those who were chanting, hang Mike Pence, and who were determined to overthrow the 2020 presidential election, there were hundreds of police officers who came from Maryland to join the Metropolitan Police Department and the Capitol officers in defense of the capital of the United States. So I take umbrage at any insinuation that the people of Maryland need to take a backseat to anybody in terms of the defense of the principles of this country. So I would thank Mr. Perry for a correction about that. And uh, I'm happy to reserve the remainder of my time. So good. It, it, it really I mean, is honest, honestly, a masterclass. Let's be, let's be, yeah, I mean, 
Look, the guy is brilliant compared to the moronic statements that are being made by so many of these MAGA morons. I mean, that's just, you know, as we like to call them, just a bunch of maggots, because that's really what that's really what someone like Scott Perry is. Fuck him. And that's the way you just have to think about it. It is enough. They do it in order to get a soundbite. They do it so that they get onto Fox. They get onto Newsmax or OAN, where they end up getting interviewed by the genius herself, Lara Trump, the wife of the idiot Eric Trump, who is actually dumber than her own husband, hard to imagine, who gets up there. I mean, she used to hold the boom over at like Access Hollywood or something like that. That was her job. She can't believe that she actually has a show because she's ignorant. And that's the big problem. They put her on there for what? Because she's married to Eric Trump, plain and simple. She has no idea what she's talking about. She has no facts. Then you take someone like a Jamie Raskin, who is a lawyer. He's brilliant. He's factually based in everything that he says. And so at the end of the day, you know, how do you argue with somebody who is arguing facts versus somebody who's arguing innuendo and gut reaction? You can't because one, again, one of them is predicated off of information and facts. And the other one is, well, I think, I think, um, you know, uh, you know, I've been, I've heard, it's, it's ignorant, it's stupid, and again, it's, it just goes, this is exactly what you're going to see, this sort of back and forth between an individual like a Perry and a Jamie Raskin. And at the end of the day, whether you're Republican or Democrat or Independent, really, who won that exchange? And if you think that the Republican won it, you know, I suggest that you see a psychiatrist immediately. I'd like to coin a new term here on the political beatdown, a term that I want us to refer to as the MAGA principle. And you may have heard about the Peter principle, right? The Peter principle is a concept in management developed by Lawrence Peter, which observes that people in a hierarchy tend to rise to a level of respective incompetence and employees are promoted based on their success in previous jobs until they reach a level to which they are no longer competent as skills in one job do not necessarily translate to another. It's a short way of saying basically people are promoted for their incompetence. Well, to become a MAGA Republican leader, it's basically somewhat similar to the Peter principle, although we'll call it the MAGA principle, which is they promote the most incompetent, the most outlandish. And look, are there people on the who who consider themselves liberals or may use that title who may have certain views that I, I disagree with or that may seem be so outside of a mainstream, you know, and and that and that they get, you know, on the right wing sites, they'll like show the clips, or you have like the libs of TikTok or whatever it is. Here, here's the difference, folks. They're not the leaders of the political party. I, I don't. I'm not even sure if they're Democrats. I don't, I don't even know their political affiliation. But they're not the leader of the party that makes decisions over my life. In the MAGA Republican Party. These people are the leaders in the House of Representatives, in the Senate. The person who is the leading candidate, Donald Trump, for their primary, again, after knowing that he killed 
a million people with his incompetence during COVID and all his other policies. We've seen what he actually did. Someone who posts QAnon memes every single day. That is the person who is your actual leader, who spreads election disinformation, who does all that's the leader of the MAGA Republican Party. And when you accept him as the leader of the party, which is more like a cult now, then it's hard to have a rational conversation if you look at that and you go, yup, that's who should be making decisions ben, of ben. life and death. Okay, so Ben, let's just go back a little bit in history and let's talk about, for example, who did they used to call the radicals, the liberals, the beatniks, right? The people who were opposing, for example, the Vietnam War, people who were opposing same-sex marriage, the entire, um, you know, gay movement. Um, you know, they were the liberals. They were the, you know, the beatniks and so on. Well, how many years later, how many decades later, we're back to that same Southern white Christian coalition ideology where, you know, Obergefell was even in place, same-sex marriage, which could have been overturned the same way that, you know, reproductive determination or, or obviously Roe v. Wade uh, is being looked at. That doesn't make you liberal. The fact that let live whoever you are. You, you, do you do you? And let them do them and just go in peace. You worry about whether you love a woman or you love a man. That's your decision, what you do in your bedroom, the decisions you make to have a child or not to have a child. These are not decisions that should, you know, cast you into one group or another. It's just simply you do you. Let me do me. Whether you like it or you don't, respect the other person. We don't have that anymore. Why? Because you get these MAGA morons that want to make issues out of it. They have found like-minded morons who are willing to fund them and support them. And then you have people like the Lauren Boberts, the Marjorie Taylor Greens, the Josh Hawleys, etc., who all have something, the Ron DeSantis's, who all have something to say. Don't say gay. Fight with Mickey Mouse and Minnie Mouse. And why is Goofy walking Pluto? It's a little bit, you know, offbeat for him and yada, yada. M&M's, M&M's, Mr. Potato Head, Dr. Seuss. Do you, do you really care what somebody has at the end? You want me to call you he, him, she, it? I don't care. I don't care. I like you because of who you are, the character of your soul, not whether you're Republican or Democrat, not whether you decide you want to call yourself he, him, her, she. It doesn't matter to me, right? It's the quality of who you are, not what you want to call yourself. I don't care. And I don't know why they do. But you know why they do? Because they figured out a way how to take your money from you in order to stand behind something as ridiculous as that, as ridiculous of what book you should or you should not read, or this new concept of wokeness, right? That all of a sudden, for example, you know, black Americans should not have the right to be offended by going into a school named Robert E. Lee High School, a man who was not just a slave owner, but actually fought for slavery. I mean, that would be like me going into, you know, the Adolf Hitler school uh, of law. I mean, come on, give me a fucking break. It's, it's 
I understand it. I do truly understand it. And the fact that, oh, well, we're whitewashing American history. No, we're not. We're just asking that it be recognized and it should be recognized. You know, it's funny. If any one of the brigaders has ever been to Europe, whether it's England or France, you can sit and have a conversation with a 10, 12-year-old about their history, about the Louis, the Phillips, about the Georges and so on. And they'll give you a historical analysis of their of the history of their country, which obviously is you know, much more significant in terms of years than the United States of America. But they can give you a comprehensive understanding of their country's history. Go ahead, ask most people, who's the second president of the United States of America? They can't even tell you, right? In fact, you go ahead and you ask people right now, and I'm talking about maggots. You ask them who's the chief of staff of, you know, for Joe Biden. They couldn't tell you. You ask them who's the chief of staff for Donald Trump and pick any one of the ones that he had, right? They can't tell you that either. We are actually ignorant when it comes to our own government, when it comes to our own um, U.S. history. And I believe that everybody should be, you know, their history should be taught and it should be respected. Slavery, the Civil War, is part of America. And the contributions of black Americans and blacks in general should actually be taught the same way that it's taught for white America. And that's all that this wokeness is all about. And the fact that they have a problem with it, the fact that there's a problem with trying to acknowledge somebody else's contribution to this country other than white America just goes to show you the the concern and the fear that they have of losing white privilege. And that's the problem. Yeah. And as Democrats are talking about things that actually like like they're talking about jobs right they're talking about health care they're talking about better working conditions i mean at a time when eli Lilly said that all insulin prices will now be capped at 35 dollars, you had MAGA republicans on the floor of the house of representatives saying that that is price fixing that that is a problem it's like what are you you, you want the price of insulin to go you know to go up higher and by the way you you look at you know i go to uh Donald Donald Trump's social media platform. I don't use its name because oftentimes I look to see what he's posting and to see just how deranged it is. And when they talk about diabetes rather than actually putting forward plans, I, I kid you not on this one. I'll try to find what I saw. Um, what they talked about is the cure is they had someone drinking a gigantic uh, pickle jar that like looks like a, a big tube and right under Donald Trump's post like that is what they are promoting on on the platform completely bizarre and deranged but like all of the things that you're channeling I think is so important that we talk about here on the Midas Touch Network when it comes to decency when it comes to compassion when it comes to humanity because you know, at ben, its ben, core, let me, those ben, are values I can, that I we just need got, to I, I want to jump in for one second simply because you just made me think of something and I know I'll forget it because I'm so fired up and my blood pressure is <laughs> probably through the roof right now but you know it's what you're saying is spot on it's what I was trying to say that history is not unique to any one specific group yes you learn little tidbits about, for example, the Holocaust, 
right? The everybody, basically, it's almost like um, required reading, the diary of Anne Frank. Really? That's it? What about, you know, um, Frankel's book, you know, Man's Search for Meaning? What about the other hundreds of other books about the Holocaust, but something that they never teach you about and something that they should be teaching you about is the Armenian genocide that went on. And why do I say this? Because this shit's still going on. It's going on in parts of Africa where they're going in and they have one group is enslaving another group. Uh, I mean, look at what happened, for example, with the Armenian genocide. You ask most people about it. They have no idea, right? This is history. And in order to understand your future, it is imperative to understand your past. That's a simple principle of life. It, you cannot understand where you're going to be tomorrow if you don't understand where you were yesterday. And the fact that that's being challenged, the fact that these MAGA Republicans, the Ron DeSantis's, it's why DeSantis has no chance of winning a general election. Yeah, he may be popular in Florida, right? Which is obviously <laughs> very damaging to Donald's ego because he's now moved there full time. But at the end of the day, he doesn't translate because he's so myopic in his thoughts. And the fact that he refuses to acknowledge, like Donald, science, coronavirus, you know, the fact that, you know, black Americans have a history too that should not just be taught to white Americans, but it should be it should be made part of a curriculum. And the, these books about, you know, yes, every probably every single one of us knows somebody who's gay, all right? And many of us have friends, you know, and we'll go out for dinners, my wife and I, and we go out with friends of ours that are, you know, married to same-sex marriage. It's the quality of the individuals, not, you know, not the heterosexuality that, you know, you want to spend time having dinner, breaking bread with people. But this bothers this specific Southern white Christian coalition. It bothers the evangelical community, as does what I choose to do with my, you know, or I should say as my wife would choose to do with her reproductive rights, what goes on in our bedroom, the decision of the woman to carry or not. I mean, this bothers them. And this nonsense, this sort of taking away of our constitutional rights, of our protective rights, you know, of our rights needs to stop. Because like with Roe versus Wade, the fact that that we will never in our lifetimes see the return of Roe v. Wade. The only way that's going to happen is if Joe Biden just does something drastic, which I think he would do. If I was president, I would do it tomorrow. I would immediately put additional members of the Supreme. I put new members uh, onto the Supreme Court, add another five. And then I would flip the balance and then we would end up making it, um, you know, law and precedented and make it constitutionally protected. End of story. There'd be no more issue of stare decisis, no more lies by uh, individuals who are seeking the, you know, the spot as Supreme Court justices where they'll tell you, I respect stare decisis, uh, you know, the prior decision. And instead, the first chance they get, overturn it. All right. This is wrong. We're supposed to be advancing, not retracting as far as who we are as a people and who we are as a country.
And it is vital that we have these important conversations on platforms like this because they certainly aren't happening on large media networks. And it's precisely also what the uh, chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staffs, Mark Milley, said back in a congressional hearing when he was being yelled at. I mean, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff is being yelled at by Matt Gates being told he's too woke for having a diverse curriculum within military academies. And Mark Milley, the the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, is like, I think it is important that we become learned people, that military officers learn these things to understand perspectives in the world. You know, Vladimir Putin, who MAGA Republicans love, one of his biggest Achilles heel is the fact that everything has to be filtered through the propagandist lens and they don't get the truth. And similar to the MAGA principle, they promote the most loyalist idiots there and not people who are the brightest. And we should be a country that promotes the brightest, that promotes truth, and promotes decency. I want to get to just the final topic here, and this is the Department of Justice memorandum that was just filed in the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals, where they want to make clear in an amicus brief. The D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals requested that this memo be filed by the Department of Justice in connection with a case brought by Capitol Police officers and members of Congress who sued a bunch of people, including Donald Trump, for their injuries in connection with the January 6th insurrection. The district court judge denied Donald Trump's motion to dismiss. So then Trump appealed to the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals. And the main issue that they're looking at is this case, Nixon versus Fitzgerald, which basically held that during the term in office, a president has absolute immunity, even for unlawful conduct where it was is within the outer contours of presidential power. So in the Fitzgerald case, there was a wrongful termination allegation, an unlawful termination of Fitzgerald, who was a whistleblower by Nixon. But there, the court uh, held still hiring and firing is a power within the constitutional parameters and the outer limits of what uh, presidents do. So an unlawful termination, you can't sue presidents for that while they're in office or even after they leave office for conduct during office. And then you had another case in 1997, Clinton versus Jones, involving conduct of President Clinton before he was in office. And there the court said, oh, no, conduct before you're in become the president, you could absolutely be sued for. The same thing, conduct after you could be sued for, but not conduct during the office if it's within your constitutional scope. And so here the Department of Justice took a scalpel. It was a very nuanced argument where they basically said any categorical argument that Trump is trying to make that inciting political violence is within the outer limits of his constitutional duties. We don't agree with that. And the Department of Justice, remember, the Department of Justice job is generally to protect the executive branch. So they want to balance the unique, unprecedented nature of an insurrection and Trump's conduct, but they also don't want to create categorical situations where a president's power could be diminished. So they took a very narrow view and said, specifically here, Trump's conduct is in the outer limits. Now, I've seen people say on Twitter and elsewhere, the Department of Justice ruled that Donald Trump does not have absolute immunity. It's not, no, they don't rule. They're not the court. 
they are being asked by the D.C. Circuit to submit a brief. Ultimately, it is the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals that's going to make a actual ruling, and that will come in the next few weeks or months. And then thereafter, it'll likely get appealed to the United States Supreme Court. One final point there. This relates to civil damages, monetary lawsuits, and the Department of Justice wanted to make very clear that the Nixon versus Fitzgerald framework is not to be utilized in criminal cases. They said it in footnote one on page three, but it was a very important footnote basically intimating that any of these arguments that may possibly protect presidents, that relates to civil, not criminal conduct. So Cohen, I think that's the appropriate position for the Department of Justice today. What do you think? I totally agree with you. Look, the, you know, you're stating facts, and that's what we do here on Political Beatdown. We state facts. You know, it's funny because uh, as I look through some of the comments, there was someone who turned around and said, you know, Cohen can't be president because he's a felon. Well, first of all, that's actually not accurate because facts matter, you know, as in this case. There is nothing there's nothing in the Constitution that prohibits a felon from running for the presidency, just so you know, and you should actually Google it. See, this is the problem. People have a thought, they don't do any research, and then they just comment. And so if there's other people that are reading it, like, oh, oh, yeah, 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 he can't run because this guy had said so, and it sounds right, but it's not right. Um, you know, a felon can run for the presidency of the United States. In fact, I was asked today to possibly consider running for, uh, for mayor of New York City. Uh, you know, I, prior to coming here, I had a lunch with a group of um, uh, pretty powerful Democrats who really wanted me to consider taking a run uh, at the office um, for, for, you know, mayor here in, in New York. I'm not prohibited from that either. So that's just no. Now, they also said because I'm Jewish that there's a better than likely chance I couldn't win. That could be true. There's a lot of anti-Semites in this country, and we see that every single day. But, you know, just that was as a little bit of a digression. Yes, Ben, you are 100% correct in your in your statement and in your usage of facts. And that's, again, what's important here on Political Beatdown, that we provide you with raw, unfiltered, unapologetic facts. In fact, one of the things that Ben and I are talking about is potentially putting together the million, you know, a million um, Beatdown Brigade, and maybe we'll all show up in Washington, D.C. when we get to that million number. And that way, we will make sure that our voices are heard, not going ahead and, you know, defecating on the floors of the people's house and smearing it. I'm talking about a peaceful protest in front of the White House to show them that we will not stand for these MAGA fools. We will not stand for the bullshit going on in the people's house right now, like the grandstanding of Ted Cruz or Lauren Boebert or Marjorie Taylor Greene or Josh Hawley. Um, now, again, some of the things that they said the other day, I truly agree with them on, right, about, you know, making sure that fentanyl and other drugs don't come through the border. Who wouldn't agree with that? It's not the message. It's the messenger, because they're not saying it for the same reasons that we are, which is the protection of life. They're saying it in order to attack Joe Biden and this administration. All right. And that's not only stupid, it's selfish. To your point, they're also supporting people who defecate on the Capitol building and they call them political prisoners. And that's not even close to the worst of their conduct and the worst of the people. Well, Ben, let's let you and I talk offline about doing a uh, another middle of the week you know, special 
you know, here and figure out how to do it because there's a lot that's going on to our, and our brigaders need to be first in line for the knowledge, first in line for the truth and first in line for the facts. So, you know, you know, the, you know the, with, with you, we, we should definitely schedule that, you know, the political beatdown concept began with Cohen and I just having these conversations as good friends. And we said, you know what, we need to share these conversations that we're having with everyone. So we basically invite you into our living rooms in these shows and you're having the same conversations that Cohen and I would be having offline. We just bring it online here on the Midas Touch Network. Everybody make sure to check out Cohen's new book, Revenge, wherever books are sold. Sold and wherever audiobooks are sold. If you are one of the few people who have not yet read Revenge, make sure you check that out. Now, we are headed to 1 million subscribers here on the Midas Touch Network. We're calling this month of March the March to 1 million subscribers. So if you haven't subscribed, hit subscribe right now. If you are a YouTube viewer, make sure you also subscribe to Political Beatdown wherever you get your audio podcasts. Just search Political Beatdown on whatever audio podcast platform you prefer. And and for those audio podcast listeners only, check out what we're doing on the Midas Touch Network by subscribing to the Midas Touch YouTube channel. Want to remind everybody as well to subscribe to Michael Cohen's other podcast, Mea Culpa. Subscribe to Mea Culpa, and we have the exclusive videos feeds of Mea Culpa as well here on the Midas Touch Network. If you haven't seen the one we did from last week, it was an incredible interview between Cohen and Lev Parnas. Make sure you check that one. We have an all new episode coming this weekend of Mea Culpa with Glenn Kirshner. It is an incredible episode. And anytime you get Glenn on and you get Cohen on talking together about the law, it is a great, great conversation. And lastly, don't forget, please, Follow me on TikTok as I'm now coming close to my 250,000th follower. You will laugh your asses off. I am posting what I call Michael Cohen Reacts. You get a good two, three minutes of a solid Michael Cohen rant. So it's Michael Cohen underscore. Enjoy them. There's a whole bunch that are there as we're now getting close to the 250,000 mark. So thank you. Thank you to, to all of you, our political beatdown brigade. And remember, we are, we are Ben and I, are talking about that beatdown brigade, you know, million person brigade march to Washington, whatever we're going to call it. I don't know yet, but we will have a lot of fun and we will make our voices heard because that's what this is all about. Thanks for watching and special shout out to the Midas Mighty. <laughs> <laughs>